What is going on, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access. So glad to be with you on this Friday before one of the bigger games the Texans are going to play in the 2019 season, a road game in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know a lot of people throughout the league nationally have been pointing to this one saying, you know what, Watson v. Mahomes. Oh, get excited, baby. I know I am. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and looking forward to all that will go on on Sunday. But before we get there, we got to get through our two hours here on Texans All Access. We are going to do that with a number of luminaries on this show. We are going to have Laramie Tunsil for our Deep Slant interview of the week. You got my keys to the game. The voice of Texas, Mark Vandermeer, is going to stop by so we can talk about this one and break it all down. I got all my predictions for you for every game this weekend, straight up and against the spread. It's just a way to talk about the league and what's going on, not so much gambling information, but I just love talking about the league, and that's a good way to do it. And then the final segment, it's our players segment. And so that's where I turn it over to the players. So we're going to have B-Scar TV, Brent Scarlett with another edition of the award-winning, or should be award-winning, player reporter show sponsored by Arctic. We've got two My Football stories this week. We've got Zach Fulton, who's going back to Arrowhead Stadium to play for the first time since he arrived as a Texan, playing against his former team, the Chiefs, and also Justin Reed, who will play a big role against Patrick Mahomes in that defense. And the final word with Drew Doherty, well, I'm going to save it because you actually might hear that right off the bat here because, well... It's a certain number, 99. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But we got to kick off the show, as we always do, with some hot reads. And they're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, I can't change how I do things to a degree because I kick off every single show with this short conversation with the head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Mark caught up with him earlier today. Coach, how hard or how important is it to simulate what Mahomes does outside of the pocket when you're practicing and running with that look team and everything? Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult to simulate that. I mean, he's a great player. He's a very instinctive player. And so we just do the best we can with the guys that played quarterback for us this year, this week, excuse me, AJ and um, Alex Magoo. They, they, they did a great job of of trying to give us a look and, uh, you know, we'll just, we're just going to have to show up and, and uh, battle hard. Well, we know about the receivers and Kelsey, but what about throwing to the backs out of the backfield or however else they design things? Yeah, they, they have a lot of weapons. I mean, Kelsey's a great player. Um, and then they, they do, they have backs, they have tight, uh, wide, wide receivers that, that uh, do a great job of getting open. You know, yeah, they've had some injuries, but I would expect that uh, some of those guys will be back like a Tyreek Hill and, you know, we, we've got to do a good job of knowing where they're aligned and, and, and making sure we communicate and get lined up. I think if we can get lined up and we can defend every inch of the field, you know, I think we'll have a chance. But we've got to get communicated and get lined up because they do a lot of different things. I asked you about this last week, but stopping the run, it's still job one for your defense, right? I think it always is, Vandy. I think that uh, if you go into the every game with the mindset that you're going <clears> to <throat> stop the run, set the edge, and understand the – the schemes inside, build a wall inside, and, and you can put them in long yardage situations. You know, if they're averaging four or five yards per carry, that's not good. That means it's third and three, and it's hard to stop an offense, you know, when it's third and three. And I think that's conversely, that's the the way it needs to be for us on offense. We've got to be able to run the football and get manageable third downs, and, you know, that's a big part of uh, every game. How important is it to spin the dial, as you like to say, on offense in this yeah, game? Yeah, I think both sides of the ball, we've got to spin the dial. I think offensively, we've got to keep it moving. we got to try to do it. It's hard to go – 
up-tempo on the road. You know, the crowd noise limits that. But uh, I think we've got to do a good job of getting in and out of the huddle and, and making sure guys know who they are identity-wise relative to our personnel groups and, and and have just great communication, keep our poise, and, and like I said, play play every play. You know, play the next play. That's the mentality you have to have when you play the Chiefs. What about the kicking game matchup? Big, big matchup. Uh, the, the, these are two of the probably the better special teams units in the league. You know, very fundamentally sound, very well coached, uh, and, and I think that's going to be a big part of the game. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you, Vanny. Coach is ready. There's no question about that for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Now, the next hot read is our final word with Drew Dorton. Each and every week, the last thing you hear for the most part. Now, last week was a little bit different because Drew actually did a podcast I thought was fantastic that I wanted to be the last thing you heard having to do with Bob McNair being awarded the 32nd franchise for the city of Houston. But each week, the final word with Drew Doherty is the last thing you really hear. And he has an interview with a player. We played in pregame as well. And I felt like this week, it's J.J. Watt. So why not kick off the show with it and then also close with it? So if you miss it now... But you're not missing it now because you're actually listening to me. We'll play it for you later as well. But here's Drew Doherty with J.J. Watt. J.J., we hear all the time about rhythm in, on in the offensive side of the ball and getting in a rhythm and making sure the run game goes like this and the passing game goes like this. For a defensive player, though, it seems like rhythm is kind of important as far as pass rush goes. Have we seen some of that over the last month or so with you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to get into a groove, obviously, early in the season, especially figuring out your own pass rush, figuring out your moves, how you work them, how you set them up, all that type of stuff. But then also the chemistry amongst the defensive line as, as a whole, understanding each other's moves, understanding when one guy's going to do this, the other guy works off of him, or what kind of signals you're going to have, or what situations you want to run certain games in. So it's definitely, there's definitely part of that. And as you go, it gets better and better. And so hopefully you continue to see that. Seems like from the outside looking in, the chemistry has always been pretty good around here defensively. But this year it looks like it's maybe even just a little bit better because you got guys like Reeder really doing a lot of good things. Who you've seen and you've said many great things about in the past, but he's getting the stats, so to speak. And you got Whitney doing what he's doing and some of the other guys from the Lunch Pail crew. Part of the reason you may see that is just because every year, I mean, we've had some of the same guys year after year after year now. And so once you keep stacking those years on top of each other, the chemistry only gets stronger and stronger. But we have a great group of guys. I mean, we have a lot of guys who love the game. We have a lot of guys who love playing together, who love going out there and competing and working and just, you know, it's it's fun. When you have guys who truly enjoy being around each other and who truly enjoy working together and are happy when each other has success, that's what you're looking for, and I think we definitely have a group of those guys. How much fun is the challenge this weekend with a team like the Chiefs, an offense like the Chiefs? How much fun is that for you guys because you know you can do some things? Yeah, I mean, it's a great challenge. I mean, on the road in a very good environment. I mean, a great place to play. Place is loud. Place is energetic. Obviously, a very good football team, great quarterback. So it's a great challenge. We're looking forward to it. And obviously, as as a defensive line who prides ourselves on getting to the quarterback, that's a major key for us. And speaking of the challenge, what's the biggest challenge that Mahomes presents? He can do a lot of things. He can throw the ball from the pocket, obviously extremely well, but he can really run and improvise well too. And I think that's one of the best things he does is improvising on the run. And so just making sure you're sounding your rush lanes, making sure when he does break out of the pocket you're good in pursuit and just just trying to get there, trying to rattle him, trying to make sure you get in the pocket any way you can. It's week six, and most, if not all, offensive lines at this point in the season have had to do a little bit of mixing and matching because of injuries and whatnot. What do you see from this unit here in, in front of you at Kansas City? They're obviously dealing with some injuries as well, just like you said most teams are. So 
they're trying to put those pieces into place. But like I was just talking about with Mahomes, his ability to move makes it just as difficult as anything. So it's one thing to get back there. It's another thing to get him on the ground. And I think that's something we're always conscious of and we have to make sure we do a good job of. Enjoyed the sack celebration, paying homage to Alex Bregman. How much time do you spend thinking about that, planning that? Does it come like spur of the moment or does it kind of vary? How's that work for you? Not much. You know, I don't put too much time into thinking about it. But before the game, you know, I was I, I watched the Strohs. I mean, obviously I'm a Strohs fan. And so the other day, it's just I saw Verlander's thing a couple a couple weeks ago when he got 3,300, and I thought that was awesome. And so I, was, I figured out how to work that one in. I kind of screwed it up, but it was that was what that was. And then the Bregman one, I've always seen him do it, and I never actually – for the longest time, I didn't know what it meant, and then I finally figured out what it meant, and I liked it. Uh, obviously, an MVP-level year, so I thought that was a fitting one as well. I've always wanted to do one for Altuve, but he kind of doesn't really have any <laughs> signature move, so I haven't had anything to do there. But it's always fun. I mean, Houston's, like I said in the press conference, Houston is family, and we're all one big family, and we love rooting for each other. So it's fun when we can kind of intermix them. Okay, this is year number nine for you. You've played in some very loud environments over the mm-hmm. course of that time. Where does Kansas City rank with regards to the road places you've been in? Pretty high. I mean, it's pretty high. It's a great atmosphere. The place gets loud. The fans are great. So it's pretty high. I mean, I've always talked about the Superdome and the, the game where Steve Gleason was the honorary captain. He came out, and that was one of the loudest moments I've heard in an NFL stadium. We've had a ton of incredible moments here that have been some of the loudest I've ever been a part of. The guys talked about the Seattle game. I wasn't there for the Seattle game, but they talked about that place and how loud that was. So. There's some great atmospheres, but Kansas City is definitely up there, and I'm looking forward to another opportunity to play there. Yeah, and I ask this question like you're under center having to take snaps on offense. It really has never kind of yeah. affected you guys, has it even? No, I mean, it's pretty much just when you're sitting on the bench drinking Gatorade and your Gatorade's vibrating because it's so loud. But no, it doesn't affect me a whole lot. But it's still, as a player, it's fun to be in that atmosphere. Because yeah. you and, I mean, you'd much rather be in a loud, raucous, crazy stadium than in a half-empty stadium. You know, you want to be in those big atmospheres and those big games. And you can, you can feed off of that energy. So the goal is to quiet that crowd, and so it's that much sweeter when you get the opportunity to do it. So is the Gatorade vibrating? Is that the J.J. Watt Richter scale, the unofficial Richter scale, <laughs> yeah, pretty I look, much? I look at the ripples in the Gatorade, <laughs> and the, the size and the frequency of them can tell me how loud your stadium is. All right, last thing, settle a bet. Is Todd Packer truly the worst character on The Office? <laughs> no, not Thank a, you very much. No, Thank he's you. not the worst. I mean, he's a deplorable of course, being, but of course. He is, uh, no, he's not the worst character. I mean, there's there's many worst character, many worst characters, especially if you go towards seasons seven, eight, and nine. I mean, it gets gets pretty rough near the end. No doubt. I mean, who doesn't like a JJ Watt breakdown in the office? Come on, he's dead on. He's absolutely right. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, seven was okay, but eight, nine, rough. No Michael Scott. They were rough. All right, let's get to our final hot read, and that is the injury report. Now, the Texans side. The injury report is minimal compared to what we've seen in years past at this point. Kenny Stills is a game-time decision. Bill O'Brien said that. That's pretty much the extent on the Texans side. Now, on the Chiefs side, this is where it gets a little dicey for the Chiefs. Pro Bowl lineman Chris Jones, out. Eric Fisher, left tackle, out. Dorian O'Daniel, linebacker, formerly of Clemson, out. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver, and guard Andrew Wiley would be listed as doubtful. Now, doubtful. I've not seen a doubtful player play, but they're not ruled completely out, so there's still some time for them. But being doubtful, I imagine that they may be out. The one that we need to keep an eye on is Tyreek Hill. 
Andy Reid said that Tyreek will be a game-time decision, that he'll ran some with the scout team this week, a little bit with the offense as well. That shoulder is still an issue, and they play Denver on Thursday. So we won't know for sure whether Tyreek will play or not. He's a game-time decision. My gut has said all along he will play at least a little bit. So Chris Jones, Eric Fisher, Dorian Daniel out. Sammy Watkins and Andrew Wiley listed as doubtful. That's three offensive starters listed as out or doubtful and one a game-time decision, that being Tyreek Hill. So we'll know more an hour and a half before the game. So queued up, 1030. We'll figure out who's going to be out for sure and who's going to be active for the Chiefs. But Kenny Stills, a game-time decision. My gut has said, I don't anticipate that he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. That's just my gut. But we'll find out a little bit more on Sunday. So there you go. There you hot reads. Brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Sunday, we'll get a chance to see Laramie Tunsil. But today, you get a chance to hear the Deep Slant interview of the week with Laramie Tunsil. We'll have that next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and satellite reporter, and so glad to be with you for our next segment, and it's our Deep Slant interview of the week. And Deepy's been doing this since she stepped in the building in 2013, and I got in the building in 2014. We talked about the Deep Slant interview, and we talked about, look, Football, if you do an interview for 10, 12 minutes, it doesn't matter if you don't talk one ounce of football. That's totally fine because for some reason the players, they love – well, I know why, because Deepy's interviewed me. It's so easy to talk to her, and she's so inquisitive about things that don't always have to pertain to football. And so she decided, okay. And after she did this interview, she texted me, and she said, look, this is the deep slantiest of all the deep slants that I've done, essentially meaning – there's no football in here at all. That's fine because we get an opportunity to meet Laramie Tunsil, the pride of Lake City, Columbia High School of Ole Miss, and now with your Houston Texans. And he's a really intriguing guy. And I've followed him for a long time because I coached in Jacksonville, which is uh, I think Lake City's probably about 25, 30 miles outside the city, but it's considered within the greater Jacksonville area. And he was such a great player there, and I've been kind of following his career ever since. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Laramie, and I'm a big fan of what he's done for the Texans. But he's a really intriguing guy. And so he stepped in for the Deep Slant interview of the week. DP, take it away. Laramie, welcome to the studio. Glad to be here. Have you for ever been sure. on this side of the hall no, day before? Never, never. You've not? Never. All right, starting left tackle, mm-hmm. you're amazing. We all know that. But I feel like people really want to know who the real Laramie is. Let's do it. So the first day that you actually spoke to the media, you were wearing your Guns N' Roses 1992 tour shirt. Of course. And I don't know if you know this, but the media, like, fell in love with you. Really? After they the did. Guns N' Roses, huh? It, well, not so much that. I mean, I think everything, like, just how you were with them and, you know, you, music. You've talked about your taste in music. Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd is one of your favorites. Yes, yes, ma'am. Pink Floyd. Is that your sure. favorite? Probably my, more than my favorite. Yeah, it's Pink Floyd, then probably System of a Down. Oh, so okay. Yeah, System of a Down with a heavy metal. Can I ask you, you've got this like Mount Rushmore of music artists on your back. Yes. Who, I, I mean, I don't want to stare, but who are they? Because I Jimi I Hendrix, Okay. Tupac, Bob Marley, and Prince. Okay, so those are your top, yeah, top four. Top, top four and then top genres I like. Hip-hop, rock, R&B. Okay. Your musical taste is pretty varied, and you like some old-school stuff. Like Love some old-school. Love some like, blues. You do? You're yeah. like an old soul. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that kind of music? I don't know. It kind of just, like, came to me when I was in college. It's, it's funny to say, because I really wasn't like this in high school. 
What did you like in high school? Straight hip hop. Okay. okay. <laughs> Straight hip hop, and then uh -huh. when I got to college, I don't know. I just started loving old school. I don't know. It's it weird. Yeah, I think it fits your personality. Yeah. I did some digging on you, so don't oh, be freaked oh, out by oh my gosh. stalking skills. I found out your uh, go-to karaoke song is Sade, No Ordinary Love. Oh, that hell true? yeah, that's my, yeah. That is my favorite <laughs> yeah, Sade sure. song. I love Sade. But I, I can't really picture you singing it, because Sade is kind of... we got to have a karaoke night We, I feel so like, like do we are doing a disservice <laughs> if you don't sing it. So you're into Sade, too. Mm -hmm. I like Sade. Yeah. Like Sade the Greatest Hits is actually one of my most favorite albums. Yes, of course. Of all time. So, in sports, if you had to do a Mount Rushmore of athletes on your back. Is this basketball do? or just like This football? can be whatever you want. Oh, I won't even, tough. like, limit it to NFL football. That's tough. I don't even watch sports like that. But um, Do you watch any other sports, like, in your free time? Basketball, but not like that. Like, you're not a diehard fan? I'm not a diehard sports fan at all. Did you play a lot of sports growing up I in played basketball school? and football. That was the main one. In high school? Yes. Did you do track as well? I did shot put my sophomore year, but that didn't work out well for me. It didn't? No. Nah. Why is that? I was throwing like a 36, and I think people above me was throwing like 50s. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why did the basketball thing not work out? How'd you, how did you go football over basketball? Uh, if I would have made it to the NBA, I'd have been playing point guard, so that's one thing I stopped. So you didn't want to be a point guard? No, I want to be a point guard at what all. What did you want to be? Center, for sure. Power forward. You wanted center. to be a center Power or a forward center? center? Yeah, oh, all day, okay. all day. But six five, you for sure get to the NBA. You playing point guard? How tall were you in high school when you were playing basketball? Six four, six three, six four. So you grew like one more inch yeah. when you got into college. <laughs> yep. All right, so you go to Ole Miss. I feel like I would picture you more of a California guy, but how did you end up? At I like Ole Miss? I like Cali, but um, I actually had a, a official visit to Ole Miss, and Robert Kimdichi and Laquan Treadwell was there. And we came, we got there, we, we sat down in this little room, we was all talking. We was like, why don't we go to Alabama or Georgia where we could just come to Ole Miss and just change the program around? Okay. And that's one thing we did, beat Alabama, beat a lot of teams. We, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't win a championship, but we won both games. So the goal was to beat a really good team like yeah, Alabama. Of course. Just to bring that program to the top, and I think that's what we did. Did you ever look at Texas? Never looked Any at Texas. Any Texas schools? No. no that was, it would, was it ever in your thinking that you might end up one day living in Texas? Never thought that. Really? Never thought that. Did you think you'd live in California over Texas? I want to live in California when I'm done with everything, for sure. Yeah. State tax is kind of crazy, but... Well, Texas, no state tax. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, you've Florida, got that. No state tax. And you can visit California for mm, way exactly. cheaper. Mm -hmm. I mentioned California because your fashion, you're, you're probably one of the swaggiest O-linemen, I think. And I think it's hard to do Thank as you. an O-lineman because you're a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. um, can I say that? Is that fair Yeah, of to course. Say? It's cool. Right. So, how, how did you get your sense of style or fashion? That came in college, too, madam. At Ole Miss? No, that came in college. Um, my brother, actually, the one who started putting me on some swag, and then I just took it over from there. Okay. Yeah. What did your did your brother play wide receiver? Wide receiver at okay. Ole Miss. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. So Ole Miss. he does he dress like anybody on the Texans that you could compare him to? Uh, he does. He has his own style too. Own style. We got okay. our own style. Okay. Nobody copy nobody. Yeah. So how would you describe your style compared to most? My mine's kind of like <laughs> hippie-ish, rock and rollish. Modern days, like old school, like I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. When it comes to fashion, you've got your rock T-shirts, mm -hmm. and then you had these Gucci pants, which, which, which was fake. Which were fake. You yeah. made sure you uh -huh. shouldn't tell people fake. that because yeah, nobody would not? know. You're an NFL player. You why can not? Pose. No, I don't want to. You want Thank people you. to know they're, they're, they're fake. fake. Yeah. Have you been to Harwin and Hillcroft in the Houston area? Because I think Never. you would really enjoy. Never heard of it. The Is shops. that like a mall? 
Yeah, you could probably have your choice of fake Gucci's, and I don't know Definitely. if I should be advertising. <laughs> fake Prada's. <laughs> you get your choice of fake Prada's and whatnot there. That'd be dope. I also read that you're really into aliens. Huh. What's okay, the... we digging deep here. Oh, yeah. I, right. I could be a PI detective. Okay. What's your uh, favorite alien movie of all time? I don't have... I've never seen an alien... E.T.? What? That's E.T. Probably, is an alien movie. Yeah, that's Men probably Black, only... Predator, like... That was not alien movies. Like, it's one movie I actually seen, but I just don't know the name of it. Okay, oh my what is God. it? I don't know. I don't is know it old? Is it? It's an old movie for sure. Old movie. Okay, it's but I don't watch alien movies like that. I don't watch. I'm not a movies guy. I used to get so much stuff about that. Like people used to come pick on me and everything because, because you're I, not I, in I the don't watch movies at all. Like Lion King, I seen it one time and I don't remember anything. That's when I was young. Okay. You, why you don't like going to movie? You just don't like going to the movie theaters. You don't like the experience. Just not of a it. movie guy. Just never been. Okay. Never been a movie guy. You do like shows though. TV I love shows? concerts. Concerts. Okay. Concerts. What's TV all, shows. Uh. You, because you, okay, we'll get to the shows okay. in a second. Last concert you went to. Last concert I went to was the Dreamville Fest in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dreamville. Mm-hmm. J Cole. Yeah. yeah, those shirts are everywhere. The Dreamville yeah. shirts. So dope. I got a couple shirts too. You got a couple. Okay, so yeah. J Cole is uh, anybody that you want to see that's on tour will be on tour. Uh, Summer Walker. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know Summer Walker. I do. I know Summer Walker. You do. Yeah, she's coming here. And I what about Lizzo? Lizzo, Lizzo, Lizzo she was just here. She's yeah. from Houston, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like know that much. you're into the female and yeah, of course, I of like course, that. You're yeah. very diverse yeah. in your rock and your hip-hop. But I'm looking forward to Summer Walker. I can't wait to see okay. her. I think okay. she comes down to 30th. I'm not sure. Okay, so you're big into concerts. Not yeah. in the movies, big into concerts. Mm-hmm. You are into Stranger Things, though. Oh, sh- that's my show. Right I see. There. I knew. I, I but it's knew based I like it's based on the back of the aliens. day. It's aliens, very weird. you know. What I'm saying yes. very weird. That's right up my alley. And the music is really good. It's yeah, good it 80s is. music. Did you see their style? It's kind of like the the 70s. It's 80s. like 80s. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I, I don't know if 80s are in yet. What well, are, are they in again? Is it old enough I, that it's, it's in, in again? for me? So you, well, you're, you're, yeah. you can probably carry that on. So you like? Is there any other show that you, you binge watch? Uh, Stranger Stranger Things, Snowfall. And oh, it's a new series that just came out called Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> so is I don't it, know. It, is it about Wu Tang? It's about Wu Tang. Yeah. Oh, cool. about I them. mean, that yeah. does not surprise me. Yeah, you should. It's, it's a good show too. Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, travel. Do you like to travel? I do. I don't mind traveling. Okay. Where is the best place that you've ever gone on vacation? Uh, Costa Rica, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. First time going zip lining is pretty dope. Yes, that's actually I've gone zip lining in the jungle, so the dope. rainforest. So I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. So <laughs> like my, extra reinforced. I was flying down at home. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, that's a little scary though, because if you are, a I'm kind of like a daredevil though. Okay, so you like, like my biggest thing, I want to skydive. I gotta go skydiving okay. soon. Like probably this off season, I gotta go skydiving. Like jumping out of a skydiving is jumping out of. The, I, I always confuse it with uh, a parasailing. Skydiving is when you jump out of the. You've when you jump that. out of the plane, okay. yeah. So uh, I, I probably, I, that's not really something <laughs> I would do. Where, where would you like to travel that you haven't been yet? Uh, I want to go to Greece. I want to go to uh, Amsterdam, for sure. Okay. Uh, th- Thailand. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that's probably it so far. I don't know. I, I, I like to pick places based on the food that I like. So okay. Gre- I, would, I would definitely do Greece because I love Greek food. You, yeah. you seem to be a foodie yourself, right? Of course. Big yeah. guy. How do you? So uh, yes. I found out about Greece through Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills went to Greece. He went to Greece. Yes, he said okay. the food is amazing. So I'm going to check it out. Well, you, Houston is great for trying out all these different foods, by the it way. Is. How it have is. you been able to? Have you liked Houston so far? Yes, I haven't been nowhere. I was like, have you gotten out of the <laughs> I stadium haven't, in I your have, house? No, I haven't been no. nowhere okay. besides the O-line dinner. But 
How have those been? Can, can I ask, good. like, do you remember any of, like, a place that stands out? The to last you? place I went to was, we got a dinner tonight, but the last place I went to, Steak 48. Oh, yes, of course. So it's pretty good. Yes, it's pretty good. We're, they're known for steaks here. Yeah. Uh, so who eats the most of the Olin group? Mm. I want to see if it's changed since you joined. I'm going to have to give it to the Rook. I'm going to give it to Titus. I was like, which one? <laughs> oh, Titus out Titus, everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, music, just to circle back, mm-hmm. you played a lot of instruments. Mm-hmm. I thought of this because Titus can sing, from what I've heard. Yeah, he told me today he was in the choir. He was in the choir. And yeah. you play a lot of instruments. Mm-hmm. Play can you list all the instruments you play? Because I think I'm going to forget one. I know the basics of the guitar, the bass, and the piano. Okay. The keys. Okay. I know the basics. Did you teach yourself? I taught myself, yeah. I actually had a guy in Miami. That's really impressive. Yeah, I actually had a guy in Miami who taught me how to play the guitar. Yeah, so he used to give me lessons. Is it, it's not similar, though, like guitar to piano to bass? It's kind of got the same notes, but it's not similar, if that makes sense. I okay. don't know if that makes sense. You have a beat, you got a beat pad, too, I right? I do have a beat pad. Do you make beats? I do make beats. Are you going to produce music one day, do you think? That's, that's my goal. I that's, think that's a very cool goal. That'd be dope, huh? Yeah, to make that's, some beats. That's my goal. But the main thing with music, you got to be consistent. got to be consistent with it. So, have you been practicing? Uh, since I've been down here, no. <laughs> I mean, you've got all this free time, Laramie, right? Yeah, I know, like, right? You just and go I just home, go like, home and, and lay down, yeah. But yeah. Miami, I used to used to be on the music a lot. I don't have none of my equipment down here, but okay. I get it down here. I think me. that maybe in the off season, you and Titus, Zach Cunningham's a great singer too. Yeah, by the way. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, you guys should make some beats That'd together. Be That's just my suggestion. All right, what other impressions of Houston before I let you go? You were complaining about traffic the other day. Traffic is horrible, bro. Yeah, you're you're a true Houstonian if you're complaining about traffic. Traffic like is horrible. I know. Worse than that. Miami. Yes. Really? Okay. Yes. I thought Miami was pretty bad. Miami is, is pretty bad, but I, we can get through. You can take back roads. Houston it seems like you can't take no back roads. Yeah, you got to give it a minute. I think you'll yeah. find some. Houston, cool though. It's I cool. Like All right. Well, welcome to Houston, Laramie. It's good to get to know you. For sure. All right. Thanks so much. Mm, cool. I absolutely love those two. I mean, DP's. I mean, she's phenomenal, and I mean, she's such a good friend of mine. I mean, she's like a, a younger sister. I mean, she's fantastic. But Laramie is the epitome of cool. Do you not just feel like, man, that is one cool dude. No matter what he's talking about, that is just a really chill guy. I really love having him on this team for a number of reasons. Obviously, he protects the quarterback very, very well. And he runs blocks very well. And he's one of the better left tackles in the league if he's not the best already. But just a great guy to have around the locker room as well. And that was seconded by my buddy who's a silent reporter for Ole Miss. When I, after we traded for Laramie, I texted and said, hey, what can you tell me about Laramie? He said, Awesome dude. Won't say a whole lot, a little bit quiet, but he is a great dude. I think you got that in that deep slant interview for show. Now, coming up, it's our first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. How will the Texans get a W in Arrowhead? Ooh, it's going to be tough. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. Hey, I'm calling all of you Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? The sign up for Toro's Mat Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Mat Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Mat Drills to learn more. Okay, it's time to take a deep dive into this matchup on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, baby. So that means it's time for our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game, FCCU is the official credit union of the Houston Texans, and they have been a proud supporter of this segment that I've been doing for a long time. I've said this before since 2003 when I was doing it for college games. 
uh, did keys to the game. It's just kind of stayed with me ever since. And I figured, you know what? It makes for I, – I always felt like it made for good listening. And then I got an email this weekend, and I was convinced of that. Now, there's also a written piece that goes with this that I do dive into it a little bit more on the radio, kind of shorten a little bit for the, the piece I do called Know Your Foe. So I kind of take a look at the Chiefs, give you some stats, give you what their lineups might be, projected lineups. And this one's a little bit tricky as far as the Chiefs go for the lineups because Tyreek Hill, what are you going to see from him, Sammy Watkins, I mean all these guys that have been injured play a pretty significant role. Now, I have assumed ever since that Tyreek Hill is going to play in this game. What complicates this for everybody on the Chiefs, every injury on the Chiefs, is they've got a game Thursday night in Denver. So you play this physical Texans team Sunday, you walk through the next Monday, Tuesday, you're on a plane Wednesday, and you're playing a game Thursday. So I don't know how that will play into the decision, but we'll find out. So let's start with the Texans' defense this week, stopping the Chiefs' offense. Now, I've gone back and watched a multitude of games of the Chiefs. I almost went back and watched the Texas Bowl from a few years ago just to watch Patrick Mahomes, but that would have been more guilty pleasure of watching Mahomes than anything else. So I avoided that. But what I did come up with watching the championship game last year against the Patriots, watching the Colts game, watching the Lions game, here we go. Key number one. This will sound very simple, and I am sure that a lot of NFL teams have put this up on the whiteboard and said, this we've got to do. Keep Patrick Mahomes in the well. Now, the well is the pocket. Some people call it the well. Some people call it the pocket. I like, I like the, the, termina- the uh, nomenclature of the well, kind of keeping him in that well. If you think about the, the pass rush, um, the way that the, the the pass rush forms, it's sort of like a well, and you want to keep him down in there. You don't want him to to escape out. And I think you saw, you've seen why. But a great example of that was Sunday night against the Colts. The Colts did a great job of hemming him in, and then he started to move a little bit and kind of shake one way and shake the other. Well, the Colts got a little bit undisciplined at the very last second, and that's all it took for Mahomes to wheel back around Kamiko Toure get to the sideline where he was now clear view of the whole field and then throw on the run and hit Byron Pringle for a touchdown. You've got to envelop him in the pocket. The Patriots did a wonderful, masterful job of this, at least through the first half. In the second half, he got a little bit, but he was getting some of that from uh, from scheme, some of the other things the, Patri- the Chiefs were doing in that game against the Patriots in the second half. That could help them put points on the board. In the first half, they did a masterful job of keeping him in the well, making him throw from that well. Now, he's dealing with that ankle as well. But watching him, just some of the highlight clips that I've seen of practice this week, he looks like he's moving around pretty well. But if you envelop him in the well and force him to throw overhands and he's got to come straight over the top, he can't step down and sling it and do those kind of things, you will have won that battle, and that's a huge battle to win. When that ankle got bad enough on Sunday night against the Colts, he had to throw from the well. He was throwing flat-footed. He was throwing off his back foot. He wasn't able to drive the ball. That was a huge factor. Keep Mahomes in the well. Envelop him in the pocket. Be ultra-disciplined. All right, key number two. One of the things that Mahomes does so well, as I mentioned, is get out of the pocket, right? 
a couple of teams that I've seen, not just Lions, Colts, Patriots, but a few of the teams that I've seen that have had some success against him when he does get out of the pocket is they essentially spy. Now, a lot of times you use a spy. Teams use a spy on Deshaun because they're worried about Deshaun running. And what Mahomes will do isn't so much the running part. He will only run if he absolutely has to or it is wide open like against the Lions. But what teams have done is use a linebacker as a spy, and as soon as he breaks the pocket, the spy's coming. Because what we don't want to see is Mahomes outside of the pocket with the clear view of the field and the opportunity on the run to make a throw. He likes that throwing on the run thing, and that's a baseball thing. That is absolutely a baseball thing. And he'll sidearm it, he'll no-look it, whatever. But he likes the clear view. A linebacker coming in his face that will take away that view, and it will force him to throw the ball early. So, spy Mahomes if you can afford the linebacker. And I say that because you may have to double somebody at some point, and we're getting to that in just a second. But linebackers, and this is something that they can do if running backs stay in to block, they can get involved in that way. Spy on Mahomes. The Texans did this against Blake Bortles last year. And they did an excellent job. They had two linebackers with eyes on Bortles because they knew Bortles was going to get out of the pocket. And when he did, they were coming. And when they did, they forced turnovers, two big ones. And it really was the last time that Bortles was a quarterback for the Jaguars. It was it. They kind of did it. He got out of the pocket. He was going to run. That Those two spies came, and they took him down and forced fumbles. Now, I'm not saying you force fumbles on Mahomes, but what you can do is force a throw he does not want to make. That's going to be big. Number three, Tyreek Hill. Devote a couple of guys to him. The Patriots always swallow their pride. The Patriots have as good a cover guys as you're going to find in the league. Maybe that's Stephon Gilmore, one of the best corners in the league. But they're like, no, no, no. Here's how we handle Tyreek Hill. We double him all game long. Tyreek got really frustrated. He was on the sideline talking to Patrick Mahomes. He's like, man, they're doubling me the whole time. They got me the whole time with two guys. He got loose for one throw, and that was it. One throw. He got deep behind... Uh, behind, he spun the corner around, got in front of the safety. It was the only thing he got. So when Tyreek plays, and trust me on this, Tyreek is going deep. They have lacked that vertical component for the most part. Even though they got some speed guys the last couple weeks, they've lacked that vertical component because Tyreek has not been playing. And they don't want Tyreek to take hits because that shoulder. So he's going deep. Devote two guys to him. Swallow your pride. And the Texans aren't that way. They're not like, oh, we've got this guy. No. Get two guys on Tyreek Hill. Now, ironically, the one guy that's had one-on-one success against him is Bradley Roby. So, Robe might have it sometimes, but I guarantee you early they're going to try and get a deep shot to him. So, make sure that you take that away with two guys. Key number four. Screens, screens, all the time screens. Andy Reid, when he's getting pre- when pressure is coming on his quarterback, since he's been with the Eagles, since he's been with the Chiefs, he will go to that running back screen, and he's gone to it in key spots. Last year, he did an AFC Championship game against the Patriots. Damian Williams went for a touchdown that gave the Chiefs a lead midway through the fourth quarter. Against the Ravens this year, he threw that thing on third and four, third and five, expected pressure from Wink Martindale, the defense coordinator for the Ravens. He got pressure, flipped it out there, got a first down. That ended the game. The screens are coming. Be aware. Third and five, third and six. If you've got man coverage and you're responsible for the back, watch him leaking out. Get there before the line can set up and take that screen away. They are coming. And last but certainly not least, the key, 
attack the Chiefs' interior. This Chiefs' interior is banged up, guys. Really banged up. And beyond that, they're replacing guys from last year. Mitch Moore starting center last year. He's off the Buffalo. Austin Ryder this year. He's had his struggles through five games. Uh, Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, one of the better guards in the league. I'll give you that. But Andrew Wiley has been banged up. He hurt that ankle really badly. And when Ryan Hunter came in the game, it was not great for the Col- for the Chiefs. The Colts just ran roughshod over him. So they brought in Stefan Wisniewski, who hasn't played since the preseason. He was let go after the, the final cut. He hasn't played since preseason, so he's been off this whole time. And the Texans have seen him before and had pretty good success against him when he was starting for the Eagles last year when the Texans played there up at Philadelphia. Attack the interior. Win that interior battle. And that's where you can really push the well at Mahomes' feet. So once he gets that push at his feet, what's he going to want to do? Escape the outside. Well, if J.J. Whitney, Jake Martin, and, and Brent Scarlett are all rushing the outside and being disciplined, he'll run right into them if that push is coming from the interior. And I think it can. All right, let's flip it over to the Texans' offense. It's the Chiefs' defense that is 30th in the league, giving up 156 yards per game on the ground. 13th in the league in giving up 237 yards. or 25th in, through the air. And they're 25th in the league with 393 yards allowed offense per game. So, key number one, find the balance in the attack. As the game goes on, find the proper formula. I think that you can run it. I think you can throw it. I think there are ways to attack the secondary. I think you can attack the corners. I actually think the safeties are the two best players on their defense in Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew. Frank, with, with Chris Jones being out of this one, dealing with that groin injury. But Frank Clark is a really good edge rusher, and he's, but he's dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So I think the best, the best part of the secondary is the two safeties. But I think the two corners you can attack, the nickel corner you can attack, but I think you could run it on them too. So find the proper balance. Do it with tempo, and I think you've got an opportunity to move the football on them. Number two. Steve Spagnuolo is the, the, the new defense coordinator for the Chiefs. He doesn't love the blitz, but his front four guys, especially with Chris Jones out of this one, is not going to be able to get pressure. Twist it, stun it, whatever you want to do, they're not going to get there. So anticipate the blitz coming and anticipate the blitz coming from distance. Anticipate it coming from the second level. Anticipate it coming from Tyron Matthew when he's lined up in the slot or near the slot. They will bring the blitz. They have to. The only way they're going to get pressure is that way is to bring the blitz. Be prepared for it. Be ready for it. Know where Tyron is. Know where lurkers are near the line of scrimmage. And make sure that, you're, that you can handle it. If you handle it, you can throw the football where you want. Number three, just like last week, the ball hot and let's go. Let's go. Last week, Sean Watson threw the ball, on average, under two and a half seconds. He'd been throwing it at an average of 2.92 seconds. That difference of .4 seconds was astronomical for this offense. Get the ball out, hot, protect him, and let's go. Let's move. Let's hit receivers, and let's be on the move. This team wants to play fast. Force the Chiefs to have to play fast defensively, and I don't know that they're going to be able to handle that. Number four. I said this is a key last week, and I'll say it again as a reminder. Keep the interior passing game alive. Last week, this was a major key. I put, I think, maybe number one. Get the interior passing game going. Complete passes inside, uh, between the hashes, between the numbers. Deshaun did that. He hit Darren Fells twice on seam routes for touchdowns. One he had to laser one in, one he had to loft it in. 
but two seam routes for touchdowns. He had Jordan Akins on a key third down in the first half that led to the first touchdown to Will Fuller. He had Kiki QT three times. All three went for first downs. And one big one, the 51-yard one, down the middle of the field, splitting two safeties. He got behind a linebacker. There was an offsides penalty. Falcons kind of stopped for a split second. And Deshaun threw a laser. Kiki caught it on the run. Away he went. Interior passing game. Kiki QT, Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, and then whatever you want to do with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller on the inside, that works. The interior passing game is available to you. Number five, and this kind of goes to the running game aspect. Double the interior lineman off the ball into linebackers. Now, that sounds more difficult, or it sounds easier than it actually is. But Xavier Williams is out of this one. Chris Jones is out of this one. Derek Naughty last week got driven off the football a few times. Now, he's going to make adjustments. He's a stout dude and sometimes very difficult to move. But teams are running the ball, as I said, on the Chiefs to a tune of 156 yards on the ground. The Texans can run the football. We've seen that before. We saw them move guys off the ball in the Saints game. We saw them knock the Jacksonville Jaguars line off the line of scrimmage. We saw it at times last week against the Falcons. The Falcons wanted to penetrate, so they made some plays that way. But overall, the Texans running the football did a pretty solid job, averaging about four yards a clip on 20 carries between Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. But double those interior linemen off the ball into the linebackers. These linebackers are, I don't want to say inexperienced, but they're not, they're not B-Mac and Zach, I'll tell you that. So they don't flow to the football cleanly, but if you don't get somebody on them and they can flow and play downhill, then you may not run the ball for what you think you can against these guys. So double them off the ball. The two teams that have beaten Kansas City in Kansas City, two, they've had three losses there uh, since late last year. Chargers beat them on Thursday night. They had to come from behind, so they had to throw it a lot. But the Patriots and the AFC Championship game and the Colts the other night, what was the common thread? The Patriots ran for 176 yards, controlled the clock, kept Mahomes on the sideline, and pounded it. Won that game in overtime. The Colts last week ran it for 180 yards, kept Mahomes on the sideline. They held them to 13 points. They only scored 19, but they ran for 180 yards. So 178-yard average between those two losses. Now, I've not seen a team that hasn't run well on them and win. Teams that have beaten them have run the ball pretty well on them, and that's what the Texans need to do. But to do that, they got to control the front. Do not let those guys penetrate and get upfield. That's where the Falcons had a little bit of success against the Texans. Shut that down. Do not allow that penetration. Double lineman off the ball. Take them right straight into linebackers and give Carlos and Duke some room to run. If you do that, then going back to key number one, that balance is going to be there in your attack like you want it to be. So there you go. There are your first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. I do that every single week. If you like what you heard, there's more to it. Go to Know Your Foe on HoustonTexans.com, and you can see what I've got to say about this one. It's kind of my scouting report just after all the film that I was able to watch this week. So make sure you read to go along with what you just heard. Coming up next, you hear Mark Vandermeer every single Sunday as the voice of the Texans. He will join me next to kick off our second hour, Texans All Access. One hour down, one hour to go on this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John. To my left is Mark. You know him Better as the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer, how are you doing? Johnny, it's a big game weekend as we all know. Look, they're all big in the NFL, but this one has a little something extra, doesn't it? Did you see that Kansas City Chiefs hype video? That was pretty cool. I mean, the showdown. I mean, they made it like this old Western high noon. They're going to battle. Yeah. 
They called but, Watson a Texas Ranger. I don't know if I like that here in Houston. And they you know? called Mahomes the Showtime Sheriff. Yeah. How about the Kansas City something? I don't know. The Missouri. I don't know. There's got to be another nickname. But it could be a shootout. Are you expecting shootout? Are you expecting a little bit low scoring or lower scoring, I should say, after the Chiefs just put up 13 points last week? I don't. I think, I think both offenses will get loose. Yeah. I think Kansas City because that's what Kansas City does. But I thought about this the other night watching the Chiefs, and, and, and I'm I'm trying to, to say this as no disrespect. I mean, we don't face our own defense, but Chris Jones being out of this one, there isn't a player on that Chiefs sideline, minus probably Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, maybe, maybe, that could start for this defense, for the Texans defense. Wow. You think about it. I mean, a player on the entire defense? I mean, on, up front. Up front, front seven. You taking Derek Nottie over DJ Reader? Heck no. You taking anybody over DJ Watt or JJ Watt? No. You taking either one of their linebackers over Zach or BMAC? Heck no. Their corners, Bashad Breeland and uh, Kendall Fuller and Chavarius Ward? Mm-hmm. You taking any of them over the three guys that we've got? I mean, not not saying that our guys are going to the Hall of Fame, but you taking any of those guys? Now, safety-wise... They're pretty good, but then again, Deshaun Gibson and Justin Reed take a back seat to no one back there. Yeah. They do a pretty good job. So there isn't really anybody in the Chiefs defense where you go, yeah, I'd take that guy over what we have. Because you're taking Frank Clark definitively over Whitney Merciless? No. No. So And Frank Clark's banged up. Right. So are you so at that point Now you, you make me feel Chiefs, better. Right. That's kind of the that's kind of my point. But I, you're dealing with an offense in Kansas City that was averaging in the Mahomes era, right? Thirty five plus or no whatever, doubt. and then they get held to thirteen last week, and you cannot assume that's going to continue. It's always the big mistake in sports. You think a trend is just going to continue even after one game or right. one notch of achievement or lack of achievement, like a thirteen point output by the Chiefs. Just like with the Texans, one week scoring 10, another week scoring 53. Right. So what do you got this week for yeah, Exactly. You know, it's, I don't know. I think they'll be much better than they were against Carolina. Don't get me wrong, right. especially against this defense. You're on the road, and the 53, you know, you know how NFL games are. You, you hit on that third and four, you get that extra touchdown. Oh, and then the other touchdown is a pick six. You're not taking anything away from that 53-point right. output. However, every week is different. The way things play out, and a play here or play there could mean – uh, the way the course of history changes within a game could mean a 14 or 21-point swing sometimes. Well, I think that is really emblematic with the game the Colts played with the Chiefs last week mm-hmm. because the Colts just got in there and realized they can't stop us running the football. Right. Throwing the ball, I mean, Brissett holds the ball a little bit too long. He's just not finding open receivers. I just don't think that the Indianapolis passing game is – all that a bag of chips. But what I do think is they realized we can pound them at the point of attack. Chris Jones is hurt. Right. Frank Clark's banged up. He's had to go out of the game. We're facing essentially a backup defensive front, and we've got our offense. Let's just pound these guys. And they and did. That's what they did. And so the game turned into one that was, okay, expecting it maybe to get into the 30s. That thing stayed in the, in the teens because the Colts made it that way. And then – Mahomes gets the ankle. Wiley goes out of the game uh, on the offensive line. Now the Colts are getting all kinds of pass rush on a gimpy Patrick Mahomes. He can't step into his throws. He got no Watkins. He got no Tyreek Hill. He really is limited in where he can throw the ball to. They're taking away Kelsey with two guys. So 
But here's the other thing about that, too. The Colts weren't at full strength defensively either. No, they weren't. There was no Darius Leonard. There was no Malik Hooker. Clayton Gathers didn't play. And you hold them to 13. And they held them to 13. How does that happen? Well, Mahomes getting the bad ankle. That was part of it. That was a a big part of it because he was not – he could not maneuver out of the pocket. They kept him in the well. He's now – now you kind of put it together. Mahomes has got to stay in the pocket. The guard they put in for Andrew Wiley, Ryan Hunter, really struggled with the Colts. Mm -hmm. And so they're pushing the pocket right at Mahomes. He can't step in or step out of his throws – and so now he's having to throw off his back foot, leaning back. He just had no time to throw. And then the Colts get the ball back and are like, we're going to hand it off and we're just going to – it's death by paper cuts. It's just poof, Well, poof, Johnny, I think poof. a big question is the Mahomes ankle. How bad is it? Right. How tough is this going to be on that player? How much will he be able to move outside the pocket? Look, they're using every bit of medical technology they can think of on this thing. Yeah to get him ready for this game. There's no way he doesn't want to play in this game, so he'll be out there. He was limping around pretty darn well or badly, however you want to describe it, during the course of that game. But a week goes by, and you have all the modern treatments and everything, and they'll put a ski boot on it if they have to. But let's go back to this for a moment. When you attack their defense, let me ask you this. Mack had 132 rushing yards for the Colts. 29 carries. I mean, they carried the ball. Well, Brissett had six carries. Take his carries out. 39 carries without mm-hmm. the quarterback run. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And then Brissett only has to throw, I say only, for 151 yards. No touchdowns for Brissett. Right. And he threw a pick. His quarterback rating was 61. Watson's coming off a perfect quarterback rating game. I think Watson can do better than 18 of 29 for 151 yards. This just in. So I don't think you have to run it 45 times in this game. No. But it's the old, well, you're going to have to be efficient, play clean, don't turn it over, that kind of thing. Be good on third down, like, yes. I, said last, like I said last week, string the good plays together. I think you're going to spend probably the first quarter, in some sense, figuring out what they want to take away from you, mm-hmm. and then you go take what they're not taking away from you. So if they say, look, we are not giving up 180 yards on the ground again. Forget that. We're going to put Tyron Matthew in the box. We're going to have eight in the box. We are not giving up 180 yards on the ground again. That's what they gave up against the Colts. They gave up 176 to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Yep. So when they've gotten beat at home, they've given up a ton of yards on the ground. So they're like, we're shutting that down. You're not going to run the ball. Fine. You're going to cover us with four guys in the secondary? Yeah. When The way the Texans are pass protecting, I think, and the way Watson has been getting rid of the football in the last game anyway, if that continues. You know, Bill O'Brien said something about hurry up or up-tempo or whatever, that it's going to be super loud, so that'll be difficult. He made that statement, and I'm wondering if that's a, a way to throw them off the path maybe a little bit because, Johnny, am I right in saying this, that, yeah, it'll be loud, but you can still go up-tempo yes. and loud. The crowd, if you hit a big play, the crowd is upset. Now you run up right. to the line, and they're not as loud as they would be if – you know, you use more of the play clock and huddle, then you get to the line, right. there's a crescendo, there's a buildup. You know, if you're going fast, if you're going maybe not NASCAR fast, but pace car fast, right. <laughs> yeah. you might be able to, you know, quick snap a few times and get some things going. It's easy for me to say, but I'm just wondering about that aspect of it. I, I think so, too. And and the the thing about going up-tempo, Peyton Manning loved to go up-tempo anywhere. He actually yeah. liked going a silent count. He would even do it at home sometimes because they got – really comfortable going silent count, going up-tempo. And that's the thing. You hope you don't have false starts and you don't do those things on the road. But I think this team has to play at a fairly rapid click 
I mean, it's got to play pretty fast. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of the way it's wired. And I think Bill O'Brien's wired that way. Let's go as fast as we possibly can. Now, when do you go up tempo? Typically when? After a first down, right? Get a yeah. first down, let's go. Well, when is the crowd kind of like, oh, they just got a third down? Oh. Yeah. And all of a sudden they got to ramp it back up in the next 10 to 12 seconds? That That isn't that easy. They won't be as loud as they would be had you had time to – get to the line and call the signals and do all that. Are they going to be loud as can be on the first down that you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be loud if they sack you on first down It's second and long? Yeah. But if you get a first down on third down or first down on second down, whatever it is, you pick up a first down, a significant gain, and you're getting back up to the line of scrimmage, and they're going, oh, man, what happened? They're looking at the video board, and before you know it, you're up there getting ready to play. That's where they had the Falcons caught on the ropes, I felt like. And we'll see if the Chiefs, banged up as they are, can handle that. But I do think – Maybe it's not, to your point, not NASCAR fast. I agree with you. But I do think they're going to have to, at some point, pick the pace up because that's, I think, how they function best. And I can see with DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline or on the field, he's just waving. Like, at times he's waving at the, the refs. Like, let's go, man. Let us go. Let us go. Right. And the refs are holding them up because they had a substitution. Yeah. So as long as you can stay in it without substituting guys and you're wearing them down a little bit, Away you go. Yeah, if you have something you like, stay with it. Now, here's the tricky thing for Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly. They have to figure out when they are going up tempo or when it is working, how much of it they really want to do. You have to balance out. Let's say you're running the ball well. Right. Well, there's got to be a temptation. Ooh, we're, we're eating clock and we're running the ball. Right, right. I almost feel like against the Chiefs. Mm-mm. You know, I, I get it. You keep the offense off the field. But look, if you are running the if you're getting five, six, seven yards of gash, then fine. Keep just, gashing. Just keep going. You know, yeah. don't even get away from it. Just right. hit a big play action pass every once in a while. But if you're, you know, if it's working at three, four yards a clip, that kind of thing, I think you want to do whatever is gonna, it's going to take to get that offense really clicking and right. the clock be damned. But that's just me talking here. I'm just wondering how they're going to handle it because – you want to limit the reps that Mahomes going to get out there. It's yep. great to keep him on the sideline, yet you have to put the ball in the end zone. You cannot go into this game thinking that, oh, 20, 24 points is going to do it. I don't care what happened last week. Mm-hmm. To me, Johnny, it's a 30 to 35-point game minimum. You have to get over the 30 mark to win this game. That's how I feel. Let's see if it plays out that way. You keep scoring every time. You yeah. have to think score. I mean, Dre talks about it all the time. You want to end your drive kicking the football. Yep. Either punting it or kicking off. Or kicking off. Yep. Or kicking extra point. That's how you want to end every single drive. And or a field goal, you this meant is, not punting yeah, it. Yeah, field goal. This is one of the things that you want to be able to do. And last week they punt on the first drive and they didn't punt again. You know what the Giants did last night that drives me nuts? Late in the first half, I think they're down only seven, I believe. Yeah. And they have the ball with about thirty seconds left. Oh and no. a timeout. At their twenty, twenty five, whatever it was, it was it was not great field position at all. But you still had 30 seconds, and you had a timeout. And I know that you got a rookie quarterback and everything. Hand off. Do something. Run a play. Run a play. Don't take a knee. They took a knee. And I'm thinking, I always think this. You're going to want that possession back at the end of the game. Against the Patriots. uh, Boy, they did. Yeah, you can't. Did you not learn anything by watching the Jags sit on the ball at the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, late in the first half, when they had a lead, they're thinking, we don't want to screw it up, let's just kill the clock here, go into the half. You cannot try to get out of the game in the first half. You can't do it. It's one thing if there's like 10 seconds. I even think with that, you you hand off. You try to pop something. You never know what's going to happen. 
I mean, the percentages are probably low in that situation, but I hate sitting on the ball when you really don't have to. Oh, it drives me nuts. Remember that 49ers game in 17? They were pinned back after a punt, and they ran Carlos. I think it was Carlos Hyde. They ran Carlos Hyde on a little delay. Oh, here. Yes. And he went for like 30 to 35 yards. And then they thought, hey, we got something. And they're like, we got something here. And they ended up kicking a field goal right before the half. And I was like, that's painful. That's big. That, those are the kind of things that you want to do. And those are the kind of things that the Texans are going to have to do because in the first half, and this was one of I, – I love this, this stat that I saw about the, uh, about the Chiefs. It's basically the tale of a first-half team versus a second-half team. The Chiefs have scored 97 points in the first half in five games. Mm-hmm. That's the best in the league. The Texans in the second half have scored 85 points. That's third in the NFL. So wow. you come out of the gates, hopefully you get started fairly quickly. If you do that and you follow your trend of scoring well in the second half, you're going to have them where you want. But Bill O'Brien said this to me last week, and I think he got the thought of, hey, the Falcons can score a lot of points. Every possession is important. You can't just take one off. We've got to put points. I think what he's saying is you've got to put points up on the board at the end of every drive. At least attempt at to. At least, yes. No, you can't make every field goal, but you absolutely without question have got to put up points at the end of every drive. Mark? Appreciate it. Look forward to Sunday. Thank you, Johnny. Likewise. Now, I won't pick this game. You know how I feel about Texans-Chiefs, but I will predict every game, starting with a game in London, finishing with a game in Green Bay, all my predictions straight up and against the spread next on Texans All Access. Oh, we have reached that time in the show where it's time to dive into our predictions. And by our, I mean mine. And you guys can play along at home. I mean, it's pretty easy. Because I give you the matchup, I give you what the point spread is, and you guys get to react accordingly. I think we all won on Patriots-Giants thanks to a late touchdown for the Patriots to get the cover on that one. But we do this every single week. It's my way of going around the NFL, and I'm John Harris. Welcome back to Texans All Access. Each and every week, I predict every game straight up and against the spread. And it's just a way of going around the league and talking around about the league's teams and, and then going on record. I am never scared to go on record because I'll miss games. I don't care. I mean, it happens. But I love having the opportunity to do it. It's kind of a little competition, if you will. So this is how we do it. If you haven't been with us before, I give you the game. I tell you what the spread is. And I listen, I'm not telling you to go bet on things. I'm not giving you, like, best bets. Hey, this is Stu Fina, and I'm giving you this bet bet this week. It's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying the six. Wait, wait, I'm not. That's not me. I'm not doing that. I hate that. I hate those guys, those tout show guys. I just like talking about the games, and the spread sort of gives us an idea of what the general consensus is for who should be the favorite, who shouldn't be, all that kind of good stuff. So, are you ready? I'm ready, but I need my music. And there it is. So let's start in London. Yeah, we're going to London for an 8.30 game. This is going to be awesome. I love this. Whenever there's a London game and we're on the road, it actually happens here at home too. We're on the road, but I can actually watch the game in my office. So I usually do that before I have to go do my pregame duties. But on the road, they play it on the video board. So you're just in the stadium. You're just kind of hanging out watching football or go to the press box and watching football. Always love that. And that game starts at 8.30, and it is Panthers Buccaneers get a little NFC South battle now keep an eye on Christian McCaffrey in this one he's been banged up the last couple weeks he took a hard spill in the end zone after getting flipped in the game last I think it was last week 
So keep an eye on his availability. I like the Panthers in this. I think the Panthers are playing good football. I think the Bucks are hit or miss. They are up, they're down. But against good defenses, they've had a few moments, and then sometimes they've turned the ball over way too much. It's hard to figure these guys out. They gave up 32 to Daniel Jones and the Giants. Then they went out to L.A. and scored 55. I can't really figure the Bucks out. So I'm going with the Panthers because I trust them more. Panthers are favored by two and a half. Let's get the Panthers a dub, and let's get them a cover over that two and a half points. The Seahawks go to the Browns. I would think the Browns are desperate. They played a Monday night game out on the West Coast. They come back and play a noon game back home. The Seahawks had the mini-bye coming off last week where they played on Thursday night against the Rams, so they've had it a little extra time. I go back to that word trust. I don't trust the Browns. But I do think the Browns are going to show up in this one. I think it's desperation time. And when they have played lousy one week, they've turned around and played very well the next. So I'm going with the Browns in a little bit of a mini upset. I don't want it to happen. I want the Seahawks to win because I want AFC teams to always lose to NFC teams, not named the Texans. But I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset here. At home, as a dog, I do think the Browns are going to play well. I think everybody and their brother expects the Seahawks to win this. In fact, I was a little bit surprised the Seahawks were only a one-and-a-half-point favorite. But I'm going with the Browns to win and obviously to cover. So if Seattle gets a one-point win, I still get a win, spread-wise. But I think the Browns are going to pull the upset. I think they're going to pull the upset. I don't know what tells me that. Texas Chiefs, that's a new game. KC's spread is down to four. Must be Vegas getting a lot of action on the Texans. But you know how I feel about that. Heart and head, I never go against it. So I got Texans to win and to cover. So hopefully they definitely cover, but you know they definitely should win. So I'm going with that. I don't even I don't even mess with that. Let's go. Oh boy, <laughs> look what's next. This one has Vegas thoroughly confused. I don't think I'm as confused. The Redskins are on five. Dolphins are on four. Combine zero and nine. Somebody's got to get a win. I think. Now, there's been a tie this year, so there could be another one. But Washington's favored by three at home. That's typically what Vegas does when it's like, we have no idea. We don't know. Just give the home team three points. And so that's what they're doing. I will lay the three. I'm going with the Redskins in this one. Have no idea who's playing quarterback. Don't really care because I just don't think the Dolphins can do enough to win a game. I don't think they have enough talent to win a game, to be honest. And I don't think the Redskins, if the Redskins' defense shows up, there's a lot of talent on that Redskins defense. They see the offense to stay out of the way in some sense. Offense, just go get 17 points. We'll, we'll put another touchdown up on the board for you. You get to 23, that should be enough to beat the Dolphins, and it should be enough to beat the Dolphins by more than three. So go with the Redskins over the Dolphins and a couple. Eagles, Vikings. Vikings favored by three at home. Again, two evenly matched teams, and the, the Eagles, they got a big win up in Green Bay the Thursday prior and now they've got the Vikings and they came up with a win last week I think the Eagles beat the Jets and beat them up pretty good so they've got a couple wins in a row the Vikings are up and down and up and down and you never know what to expect from them they got a win last week after losing to the Bears so this feels like an Eagles down week as a Vikings up week and that's why Minnesota's favored by three this feels about right at three I'm gonna go Minnesota to win this one at home in a very close game but I'm it's only three so I'm gonna 
I'm going to lay the three. I'm taking the Vikings to win and to cover that three at home. And I don't feel good doing it, but I think Dalvin Cook would be a big key in that one against the Eagles. The Saints and Jacks in Jacksonville. Who would have thought this was going to be Teddy Bridgewater v. Gardner Minshew at the beginning of the year? Well, we got that instead of Drew Brees versus Nick Foles. Saints 4-1, big win last week over Tampa Bay at home. Teddy Bridgewater threw four touchdowns. The Jags, uh, a tough loss. A tough loss last week uh, for the Jags as they fell to 2-3 and three after losing to Carolina in Charlotte. Jacksonville's favored by one. I'm not going to go hard against my heart and head. I want the Saints to win this one. I'll pick the Saints to win. I do think the Jaguars will play well. DJ Charker receiver is playing very, very well for them. But I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I think the defense will get done just enough against Gardner Minshew. Dennis Allen will throw him some different looks. I think the Saints will get a win over the Jaguars on the road. That'll take the Saints to five. And one of the Jaguars to two and four, which hopefully that happens. The Bengals go to the Ravens. Forget about it. The Bengals, no way. Bengals fought 0-6. Ravens get a win. Do they get a cover? The spread is 10.5. I'm going to say yes. I can't see the Bengals staying within 10.5 points. So let's go with the Ravens with a win and a cover at home. The L.A. Rams get a visit from the 49ers. This is one of the better afternoon games. The 49ers, a huge win. 31-3 over the Browns on Monday night. The Rams coming off two straight losses. Lost at home, 55-40 to to the Bucks. Then they lost a gut punch Thursday night game to the Seahawks but they had the mini buy I think this is where the run ends for the 49ers the 49ers are playing well this will be a knockdown drag out till the fourth quarter but the Rams backs against the wall I'm taking them to win this and win it by more than three not more than seven but more than three this feels like somewhere between a four and a seven point win the Rams will get it done give the 49ers the first loss of the season and a cover for the Rams and win Falcons go to the Cardinals the Falcons have been out in Arizona a whole week Atlanta's favored by two. I'm going to roll with the Falcons here, even though the Cardinals got a win last week. I'm going to roll with the Falcons. I think sometimes when you go on the road and it's just us against the world sort of mentality, that seemingly is when teams kind of rise up and find themselves. And the Falcons can move the ball. We saw that last week. They can score the ball. Defensively, but they're facing a rookie quarterback, and they've been on the road. I'm going to go with Atlanta to win this and to get a cover. I think Atlanta's going to find itself here, win a few games. That offense is too good. I think they'll rally for Dan Quinn. I think that team likes Dan Quinn. I think they'll play for him. I think the Falcons get the win and the cover on the road. Titans go to the Broncos. Boy, this one's hard to figure out. Really need the Titans to lose. Really would love to see the Titans lose. Missed four field goals last week. They've got a new they got a new kicker, Cody Parkey. What's the last thing Cody Parkey did in NFL uh, NFL field? Uh, he went double doink for the Bears against the Eagles in the playoff game. The Broncos got a big win last week, just getting a win. But they went to L.A. and they beat the Chargers. Kareem made a huge play at the goal line right before the half to keep the Chargers out of the end zone. That led to a Broncos win. I think the Broncos are going to get another one. Denver's favored by two. I think I'm going to go with the Broncos. I'm going to stay like with the Jags and the Saints. I'm not going to go up against my heart and my head. I want the Broncos to win. I'll go with the Broncos to win. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think the Broncos playing a little bit better. Defensively, they play pretty well a year, to be honest. I think they'll play pretty well against the Titans at home. I'm going to take the Broncos a second win. Hopefully, the Titans fall to 2-4. and four. The Cowboys take on the Jets in New York. I don't think the Jets, even though Sam Darnold is going to be back, I don't think the Jets can play within 7. I do think they'll keep it close, close for a little bit. 
And the offense will get some things going against the Cowboys a little bit, but not enough. The Cowboys bounce back after two consecutive losses. The Cowboys win by more than seven on the road in the Meadowlands. They played up there. They know what it's like. I'm going to Cowboys a win by more than seven. Steelers and Chargers on Sunday night. Boy, don't you wish NBC Sports could do that over again. Hey, wait, wait. We'll do Kansas City twice in a row. Twice, twice in a row. We want Deshaun and Mahomes. Nope. You get Rivers v. Hodges. Wait, Hodges? Yeah, Devlin Hodges. Yeah, you heard of Samford? Not Stanford. Samford. He wasn't even on a roster, I think, to start the 2019 season. And now he's going to get the start against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. I like the Chargers in that scenario, but I don't like them by six and a half. I like it a little bit closer than that. The Chargers just play close games. It's just how they play. So I think this one will get inside the six and a half. The Steelers will play hard. And a Sunday night game in L.A. is cool, but in that stadium, and I lo- I, I'd love being there. I'd love that stadium. I just the intimate nature of it. I, I loved it. But a Sunday night game, it's going to feel weird. I still think the Steelers will keep it close and keep it closer than the experts think. So go with the Steelers to get inside the six and a half of the Chargers with a win. Lions-Packers is going to be a great Monday night game. At home, Green Bay coming off a big win last week at Green Bay. You would think that would signal a Green Bay uh, drop off a little bit this week. I don't think so. I think the Packers are better than Lions. Not by a ton, but I think more than four. And on a Monday night, I'm going to give Green Bay the win and the cover over four over Matt Patricia and the Lions. So there you go. All right, we get back. It's our players segment. We've got B-Scar TV, and we got that man, J.J. Watt, with our final word with Drew Doherty. Coming up next on Texans All Access. One final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I do get a little antsy once I get to this final segment because it, especially for a road game, because after this, got to get home, got to pack, and in the morning we leave, we fly out, we go to Kansas City. So I start getting a little bit antsy, but I love this final segment because I turn it over to the players. The players, obviously the ones that put the show on on Sunday, and I like to give them a segment that's really, truly devoted to them. So we got a couple of my football stories. We have got our J.J. Watt interview, which if you missed early on, I've always got to, I got to finish with that because that's just – so even though I played it, I got to play it again. It's just it's what I do. It's the final word with Drew Doherty, so I got to play that. And then, of course, on each and every Friday, we have Player Reporter, a.k.a. B-Scar TV. And we will kick it off with Player Reporter, brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com, Arctic Coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. I did a function on Tuesday night. It was a United Way event, and I had the opportunity to do a Q&A with DJ Reader and Brent Scarlett. And I introduced Brennan as the star of B-Scar TV, and you can see a little sly smile come over his face. He is excellent. This week, oh, it's all about texting. And we're back with another segment of B-Scar TV, and I have a very, very special guest today. You guys know him as number 99 of your Houston Texans, J.J. Watt, a.k.a. Jay. Jay, we're going to – I got to backtrack. Oh, I got to... Soft, I'm going to roll it. Roll it. All right, ooh, new roll. So, I don't know if you caught last episode of B-Scar TV. 
Unfortunately, but, I did. Not a real dog parent. He didn't do take none of the time to do the real tricks with him, learn how to do stuff. He just sent him off. You gonna have to answer to that in the meeting room. I hope so. That's why I said it. Why would he say such a thing? <laughs> Jealousy. I mean, he sees how well well trained my dogs are. He knows that they're in training and they're doing great. Took him to a soccer game the other night. They sat there and watched the game. He's jealous. He wants dogs. He doesn't have any. I got two. So we're gonna call you the dog father. Not the Godfather, but the dog father. I mean, it's a, it's a fact. It's a scientific fact. I am the father of two dogs. Well, is that a scientific fact? Oh, whoa. All right. Jay. Moving on. It's 2019. We do a lot of texting in our off time, right? Yep, yep. Who's your favorite person to text? Well, it used to be DJ. Now... See, I got a group chat with a bunch of DBs I trained with over the summer at DB Precision. My boy Ryan Clark run it. Got about 15 of us in the group chat. Man talking noise all day. Constantly clowning each other. I say Money Mitchell over there. Money Mitchell. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. Stevie, for some reason, Kiki said he likes to text you. Why you say that? That's weird. That's my boy. You know, that's 16, 11. You know, we, we do that. You do that? So, like, what y'all be talking about, though? Plays, the game, you know, good food in Houston. You know, I'm a big phone call guy. Call, not FaceTime. Call. Call. Yo, what's up? Some people call that old school, man. It's faster. I have to wait for a response. I appreciate y'all watching, you know, all of our viewers, all of the people that engage with our content. Our pursuit of high-quality content is never-ending. So, please, let us know. How can we improve? What can we do? Who can we bring on the show? Holla at me. Be scarred, baby. And we're going to get back to that number 99 of your Houston Texans here in a little bit. But one of the cool segments that my man Tyler Sutter has been doing is called My Football Story. Essentially learning where our players have come from. What in, what was the decision and where they picked their, their universities, why they picked the universities, why they ended up coming to the Texans, how they got to the Texans, what they think about Houston, all that kind of stuff. I, I love these My Football stories. They're short, they're quick, but I think it's really cool to learn a little bit more about your Texans. This week, I picked a couple of them. One, I picked because he's going back to play against a team that drafted him. And one, because, well, he's emerging as one of the top players, not only in this organization, but throughout the AFC. That, of course, would be Zach Fulton and Justin Reed. We'll kick it off. With your starting right guard, Zach Fulton. Here's his football story. My hometown is in Homewood, Illinois, a little suburb outside of Chicago. And in Illinois, basketball is mainly a uh, focus. Football's not as big as it is in like the South. I didn't take football too, too seriously at the time when I first started playing. You know, I kind of got a hang of it after a while, and then I just stuck with it, and I got into the weight room, and then the rest is history. I went to Homewood Fossil High School, and I was about the same size that I am right now as a junior and senior in high school. My dad was actually living in Nashville at the time, so I went out to see him for about a week or so. He had me train at this place called D1 in Nashville. D1 is owned by a couple guys that uh, went to Tennessee. And so I went down there for O-line D-line camp, and I got a scholarship offer that day. And I came back about two weeks later, and I committed to the University of Tennessee. I love Tennessee. I love wearing the orange. I love the old atmosphere. 
I was a late round draft pick. I kind of watched the first two days go by, but the third day I kind of started watching and then um, sixth round came up. And then I got the call randomly and, and uh, it was Andy Reid on the phone. Houston's been treating me uh, very well. I love the people, I love the atmosphere. I love that people love football so much here. We've gotten along with a lot of guys on the team and you know, we're still kind of clicking and things are just rolling now. I'd always wondered why Zach ended up at Tennessee being from Illinois. I mean, it's not that far away, honestly, but I always thought about that. Like, why did he get to Tennessee? Well, that's what my football story does. All right, let's hear from Justin Reed, native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ends up at Stanford and into the Texans. Interesting football story here with Justin Reed. With the 68th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Justin Reed, defensive back, Stanford. Picked off by Justin Reed, the rookie. Intercepted by Houston, Justin Reed in the rookie. And intercepted, Justin Reed comes up with the ball. I didn't start playing football till high school, and that's because I wanted to play soccer when I was growing up as a kid. After there, it just took off. It turned out I had a knack for it. And Justin Reed, the rookie, makes another big play. I've always been a super competitive guy. Growing up with three older brothers, always wanted to compete with them at everything. Signing day's here, and I decided that I will be taking my talents to I didn't make the decision on where I was going to go until the day before signing day. In addition to Stanford being the school that it is, my brother was also with the 49ers at this time. So he was 30 minutes down the road. In the same way that he helped me when I was in high school or college, now he could help me with the NFL when I was in college down the street with him. I mean, I would go to his house, I'd watch his games, he'd break down the NFL film with me. Justin Reed, climb the ladder. I kind of had a little bit of a roadmap going through the draft because I watched my brother go through it. I did slip to the third, but you know, things happen for a reason. When your name finally gets called and your phone rings, it was one of the most incredible days of my life, and it's unforgettable, and I couldn't be happier in Houston. H-Town, baby. I got big goals for myself, team-wide goals. We want to win games, and I also want to be able to have one of the best seasons that I can for my teammates in order to get more wins. The audio tells the story, but you definitely want to see the video as well because you see some great clips of Justin back in the day in high school, of Zach back in high school, and Zach really does. He said he, he's the exact same size he was as a junior and senior in high school, and you can see that if you go check out the videos. So go to HoustonTexas.com to check out those videos. Now, each and every Friday night, as you know, if you've listened, and I know you have, we have the final word with Drew Doherty. Each and every week, Drew sits down with one of the guys in the locker room, and this week... It's that number 99 that B-Scar was talking about earlier, J.J. Watt. Take it away, Drew. We've got defensive end J.J. Watt here with us. And J.J., we hear all the time about rhythm in, on in the offensive side of the ball and getting in a rhythm and making sure the run game goes like this and the passing game goes like this. For a defensive player, though, it seems like rhythm is kind of important as far as pass rush goes. Have we seen some of that over the last month or so with you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to get into a groove, obviously, early in the season, especially figuring out your own pass rush, figuring out your moves, how you work them, how you set them up, all that type of stuff. But then also the chemistry amongst the defensive line as as a whole, understanding each other's moves, understanding when one guy's going to do this, the other guy works off of him or what kind of signals you're going to have or what situations you want to run certain games in. So it's definitely, there's definitely part of that 
and as you go, it gets better and better, and so hopefully you continue to see that. Seems like from the outside looking in, the chemistry has always been pretty good around here defensively, but this year it looks like it's maybe even just a little bit better because you got guys like Reeder really doing a lot of good things. Who you've seen and you've said many great things about in the past, but he's getting the stats, so to speak, and you got Whitney doing what he's doing and some of the other guys from the Lunch Pail crew. Part of the reason you may see that is just because every year, I mean, we've had some of the same guys year after year after year now, and so once you keep stacking those years on top of each other, the chemistry only gets stronger and stronger. But we have a great group of guys. I mean, we have a lot of guys who love the game. We have a lot of guys who love playing together, who love going out there and competing and working and just, you know, it's it's fun. When you have guys who truly enjoy being around each other and who truly enjoy working together and are happy when each other has success, that's what you're looking for. And I think we definitely have a group of those guys. How much fun is the challenge this weekend with a team like the Chiefs, an offense like the Chiefs? How much fun is that for you guys because you know you can do some things? Yeah, I mean, it's a great challenge. I mean, on the road in a very good environment. I mean, a great place to play. Place is loud. Place is energetic. Obviously, a very good football team, great quarterback. So it's a great challenge. We're looking forward to it. And obviously, as as a defensive line who prides ourselves on getting to the quarterback, that's a major key for us. And speaking of the challenge, what's the biggest challenge that Mahomes presents? He can do a lot of things. He can throw the ball from the pocket, obviously extremely well, but he can really run and improvise well too. And I think that's one of the best things he does is improvising on the run. And so just making sure you're sound in your rush lanes, making sure when he does break out of the pocket, you're good in pursuit and just, just trying to get there, trying to rattle him, trying to make sure you get in the pocket any way you can. It's week six and most, if not all offensive lines at this point in the season have had to do a little bit of mixing and matching because of injuries and whatnot. What do you see from this unit here in, in front of you at Kansas City? They're obviously dealing with some injuries as well, just like you said most teams are. So they're trying to put those pieces into place. But like I was just talking about with Mahomes, his ability to move makes it just as difficult as anything. So it's one thing to get back there. It's another thing to get him on the ground. And I think that's something we're always conscious of and we have to make sure we do a good job of. Enjoyed the sack celebration, paying homage to Alex Bregman. How much time do you spend thinking about that, planning that? Does it come like spur of the moment or does it kind of vary? How does that work for you? Not much. You know, I don't put too much time into thinking about it, but – before the game, you know, I was I, I watched the Strohs. I mean, obviously, I'm a Strohs fan, and so the other day, it's just I saw Verlander's thing a couple a couple weeks ago when he got three thousand and three hundred, and I thought that was awesome. And so I was I figured out how to work that one in. I kind of screwed it up, but it was that was what that was. And then the Bregman one, I've always seen him do it, and I never actually. It, for the longest time, I didn't know what it meant, and then I finally figured out what it meant, and I liked it. Uh, obviously, an MVP-level year, so I thought that was a fitting one as well. I've always wanted to do one for Altuve, but he kind of doesn't really have any <laughs> signature moves, so I haven't had anything to do there. But it's always fun. I mean, Houston's, like I said in the press conference, Houston is family, and we're all one big family, and we love rooting for each other. So it's fun when we can kind of intermix them. Okay, this is year number nine for you. You've played in some very loud environments over mm-hmm. the course of that time. Where does Kansas City rank with regards to the road places you've been in? Pretty high. I mean, it's pretty high. It's a great atmosphere. place gets loud. The fans are great. So it's pretty high. I mean, I've always talked about the Superdome and the, the game where Steve Gleason was the honorary captain. He came out, and that was one of the loudest moments I've heard in an NFL stadium. We've had a ton of incredible moments here that have been some of the loudest I've ever been a part of. The guys talked about the Seattle game. I wasn't there for the Seattle game, but they talk about that place and how loud that was. So 
there's some great atmospheres, but Kansas City is definitely up there, and I'm looking forward to another opportunity to play there. Yeah, and I asked this question like you're under center having to take snaps on offense. It really has never kind of yeah. affected you guys, has it even? No, I mean, it's pretty much just when you're sitting on the bench drinking Gatorade and your Gatorade's vibrating because it's so loud, but no doesn't affect me a whole lot but it's still as a player it's fun to be in that atmosphere because yeah. you and i mean you'd much rather be in a loud raucous crazy stadium than in a half empty stadium you know you want to be in those big atmospheres and those big games and you can you can feed off of that energy so the goal is to quiet that crowd and so it's that much sweeter when you get the opportunity to do it so is the Gatorade vibrating, is that the J.J. Watt-Richter scale, the unofficial Richter scale, <laughs> yeah, pretty I look, much? I look at the ripples in the Gatorade, <laughs> and the, the size and the frequency of them can tell me how loud your stadium is. All right, last thing, settle a bet. Is Todd Packer truly the worst character on The Office? <laughs> no, not Thank a, you very much. No, Thank he's you. not the worst. I mean, he's a deplorable of course, being, of course. He is, uh, no, he's not the worst character. I mean, there's there's many worst character, many worst characters, especially if you go towards seasons seven, eight, and nine. I mean, it gets gets pretty rough near the end. No doubt. JJ Watt, appreciate the time as always. Best of luck in the weeks ahead. Best of luck against Kansas City. Thank you. Appreciate it, Drew. That's one heck of a player's segment. B Scar TV, my football story, Zach Fulton, my football story, Justin Reed, and then the final word with Drew Doherty this week is JJ Watt. That, my friends, will send it home. I mean, that's a, I don't even you, you can't even, you can't even follow that. You can't even follow that. Now, what you can do, City of Houston, is follow it with a little New York Yankees ALCS on Saturday and Sunday. How about that? What a game that was on Thursday night to get the win over the Rays. Garrett Cole dominant. Loved seeing it. Loved seeing the, the Astros in the ALCS for the third straight year. Remember back to 11 through 13? Did you? If I'd have told you, look, it's going to end up being okay because you're going to go to the ALCS three years in a row, 17, 18, 19, and I'll guarantee you at least one championship. You would, we would have all taken it, especially after three straight 100 lost seasons. Yeah. So congratulations, the Astros. Good luck against the Yankees tomorrow and Sunday. Obviously, we'll be flying home from Kansas City, hopefully celebrating a win and. Watching you guys win game two against the Yankees to go up 2 nothing That will be a really fun, fun weekend for all of us if it happens that way. But for us, we're focused on Kansas City. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, we're coming. First time in, Can- uh, in Arrowhead since 2013 in a regular season game. Played him four times here. Played him one time in a preseason game there. First time we're seeing them in a regular season game. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to a loud, raucous crowd and seeing what this team can do in that sort of environment. Big one on Sunday. We will see you guys there. A big thanks to everybody who participated in the show. Thanks to my guys back at Sports Radio 610. Thank you to all of you for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Texans.